Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Well, a few months ago, I was biding my time waiting for summer to end. If you know me at all, you know that summer is not my favorite season. And you throw in there that kids are out of school for two and a half months, I was about ready to lose my mind. And so it was a Friday, and Fridays are my day off, and I'm thinking, Lord, what will I do with my children today? And I was like, you know what's always good? Cleaning the house. So I said, hey, kids, we're going to clean the house. And as you do that, you're going to earn some dollars, you know, some allowance. And I said, hey, after you do that, special surprise for you. I'm going to take you to none other than the dollar store and let you spend your dollars. This is a big day for my kids. They were super thrilled. So they do the cleaning. They get their dollars. We head to Champagne, and we're heading up to the store, the dollar store. And as we get out of the car, we're walking up, and Claire, my seven-year-old, she turns to me. She goes, Mom, there's a homeless man. He's holding a sign. She said, we have to help him. Now, what you have to know about Claire, she's deeply compassionate, she has a very tender heart, a very sensitive spirit, and I'm so grateful that God has made her that way. In this moment, though, let me be completely honest with you, I was conflicted. I'm totally conflicted. Have you ever been in a place where you were looking face-to-face at someone in need and thinking, what is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? And is it my job to give? Does giving in a situation like this even help? Or is helping sometimes hurting? Okay, What should our response be when we encounter someone in need? I'm going to come back to this story a little later because I know you want to know what happens. Uh, But Putty launched our series last weekend, God of Our City, and he shared that we are called to be people who love our cities really well. In fact, we are called to change the world by partnering with God right where we live. And we can only truly partner with God when we have our heart connected to his heart for our city. So where do we even start when it comes to loving our city? Well, we want to start where God starts. And societally, God always starts with the poor. Now, even using those words, the poor, maybe made you feel some type of way. Maybe you're struggling financially and you think, is she talking about me? Maybe you automatically feel on edge because let's be honest, anytime we talk about money or resources or giving in the church, it makes people go, (sighs) so let's all just take one big deep breath. Sullivan with us as well. We're good. We're going to talk about it, but you're fine. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about it because I know that this topic is near and dear to the heart of the Father. He's always been in the business of defending the poor. And when I say the poor, what I'm referencing is anyone who is in need. Might be a physical need, a financial need, an emotional need, a spiritual need. And let's be honest, if we're defining it this way, can we all find ourselves in those categories at some point? A place where maybe we've been lacking, where we've had a need. I know I can. Now, saying the words, the poor, that is not an identity, but it might be a current condition. Okay? So nothing today is to shame anybody. Put anyone on blast, make you feel bad. In fact, if you feel any shame at all, that is 100% from the enemy. Jesus never shames you. And so we just want to release that right now. 
But if we want to love our cities really well, then we need to talk about this stuff. We need to address God's heart for the poor. And so today we're going to talk about how we can partner with God right where we live, where we can do what he's doing in our cities, where we can, you know, really begin to have his heart for our communities. And ultimately that we end up becoming just like him. We want to be moved by compassion so that we can do for one what we wish we could do for all. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much that you're such a good partner. We love to partner with you, Holy Spirit. And I just thank you right now for the love that you have for our cities. And I pray right now, Father, that that love would be deposited in our heart. We want to look just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to jump into our text today. Um, it's in Isaiah. Now, Putty shared last week from chapter 61. We're going to back it up a couple chapters. We're going to be in 58. And we do have the text for you on the screen. But here's what we know about Isaiah. It was written by the prophet Isaiah, who was really serving as God's mouthpiece. So what he's doing is he's communicating the heart of God for us so that we know God's heart. And there are a lot of interesting themes in Isaiah, but one that really stands out to me is that God isn't interested really in our spiritual rituals. What he's after is our heart. And so what we're speaking to even tonight is not that we would just start doing more religious stuff, but that our hearts are totally transformed by the goodness of God. When we have transformed hearts, we have transformed lives, right? So let's go ahead and read here in Isaiah 58. We're going to start in verse 6. It says this, Remove the heavy chains of oppression. Stop exploiting your workers. Set free the crushed and mistreated. Break off every yoke of bondage. Share your food with the hungry. Provide for the homeless and bring them into your home. Clothe the naked. Don't turn your back on your own flesh and blood. I mean, already, are we a little uncomfortable? Yeah, right? Provide for the homeless and bring them into my home? Don't you know that's dangerous, Lord? Don't turn my back on my family? But God, you don't know what they did. Okay. Verse 9. If you banish every form of oppression, the scornful accusations and vicious slander, and if you offer yourselves in compassion for the hungry and relieve those in misery, then your dawning light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will turn into noonday splendor. Yahweh will always guide you where to go and what to do. That's a good promise we'll come back to. And verse 12, you will be known as repairers of the cities and restorers of communities. Church, this is what we're after. We are called to be repairers of the cities and restorers of communities. That's the thrust of this entire series. We want to see God radically change our cities. And here's the crazy thing. Do you know God's great plan to change the world? It's you and me. We're the plan. Flesh and blood, hands and feet of Jesus. We are the ones who have the opportunity to love our cities back to life. Will we say yes? Do you look at your cities and think, gosh, I just don't know where to start? Sullivan, do you look at Sullivan and say, I want to help love Sullivan back to life, but I don't even know where to begin? Isaiah says, if you do these things that we read about, which if we're summing this up, what does this mean? Love and serve the poor really well. If you do that, you will be known as a repairer of the city, a restorer of the community. That's what we're called to do. If we want to see our cities come to life, we must love and serve the poor well. And what I love about this passage is he's not just giving a checklist of things to do, right? He's actually showing us who we are to be, right? Because I don't want us just to like start doing a bunch of charitable stuff. I want us to actually become charitable. I want us to become like our father. 
God is not in the business of behavior modification, okay? He wants brand new hearts. And with brand new hearts, brand new minds, we look a little different, we behave a little different, but he's after your heart. I want you to know that the message this weekend is actually not about how the poor should live. Um, systemic poverty is super complex and a whole different issue, so we're not actually talking about how the poor should behave. We're talking about how sons and daughters behave towards the poor. And that's, that's the word from the Father today. He's going to release some compassion this weekend that can only be from him, and it's going to be so supernatural that you'll go, that, that's not like me. God is doing some things with your heart. Let him. It's so good. It's such a good place to be. Hmm. What I love about Jesus is he always models how we are to treat the people that we come into contact with. He modeled so well how we treat people, right? So we look to him. I love that Jesus was always rejecting, you know, societal norms, cultural norms, and he was loving the people that society pushed to the margins, right? That's just kind of who he is. And so we're going we're gonna to look to him to see how, how to treat people differently. And it means we have to change our mind about a couple things. You know, anytime Jesus was talking to his disciples and he wanted to change their mind about some simple faith things, he would always teach them in stories. Sometimes they're called parables. And so there's a story I want to share with you tonight from Luke chapter 10. And in this, Jesus is talking to a religious scholar. So you think the guy who knows the law front and back. Let me tell you. These guys are the worst, like the worst. They're always trying to trap Jesus, like, oh, we're going to show him we know the law better than he does, and it's like, cool. Like, they're not cool. It's really annoying, actually. But um, we're, we're going to pick up, because Jesus doesn't want him to stay in that place where he's, like, just obeying the law. He wants his heart to be transformed, right? And so here we're going to pick up in the scripture uh, in verse 25. So Luke 10, verse 25, and here's, here's what happens. He says, just then a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher. What do I need to do to get eternal life? He says, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole. I hate that. Looking for a loophole, he says. And just how would you define neighbor? So the religious leader is basically saying, look, Jesus, I know all about the law and I want to I follow the law, but what's the least amount I could do and still pull this thing off? Yeah. And putting this into context for us today, sometimes when it comes to serving the poor, we look for loopholes. Yeah. What's the least that I could do and still look like a good Christian? <laughs> danger, 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 <laughs> run away. What, what excuses do we make? We just don't want to see it, or I would help the poor Lord, but I, have, I can't even pay my own bills, or I don't have the time, or helping one person doesn't help anybody. We have all the excuses. What we're really asking is like, what does it really mean to love the poor Lord? Do you really want me to do that? Just like this guy is like, really, you want me to love my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Where's the loophole? So Jesus goes on to tell this story to him to get him to shift his heart, and this is a story that shows that biblical love knows no boundaries. That's what he's getting at. That's the heartbeat. Jesus explains in the story that there was a Jewish man riding through a remote, mountainous area of town, and guess what? It was dangerous. So this Jewish man was riding through town, and guess what? He gets robbed, beat up, stripped of his clothes, left for dead on the side of the road. It's terrible. Along comes a priest 
You think, oh, thank the Lord. A priest is coming. Surely he'll help. He walks by. He sees the scene. The man's on the side of the road. And he turns and he goes to the other side and he keeps on going. Passes him right on by. Next, we see a Levite enter the scene. Now, a Levite is, is also a, a worker in the temple. They're a little lower on the totem pole than the priest. But the Levite approaches, and you'd think, certainly this guy will help. They see the man left for dead on the side of the road, and he quickly passes to the other side, and he keeps on walking. Both of these people should have stopped. Why? Humanity. Like, where? hello, what is wrong with people? You see someone lying on the side of the road, beaten up and left for dead, and you think... No, no, I'm late for my appointment, though. Or maybe it's, well, I, I don't have anything to help with, so I better just, someone else will do it. Lots of excuses. For, for, the, for the priest and the Levite, it could have been because their religion actually prevented them from touching a dead body. I want to say he was half dead, so they probably would have been fine. He wasn't actually dead. So, but but the, a religious law could keep you from compassion. That is terrible. That is not Jesus. But then another man comes along. And there's a, a Samaritan man who came. And the thing you have to know about the Samaritans is that the Samaritans and the Jews were bitter enemy, enemies, right? Not friends. In fact, the, the Samaritans were seen as religious half-breeds, which is interesting and terrible. They did not get along. But the Samaritan enters the scene, and where he could have easily passed by, because this is his enemy, and all, you know, he doesn't. Scripture says he was moved by compassion. Anytime you see this in Scripture, pay attention. This is the heart of Jesus. This is where Holy Spirit starts moving and speaking. This is your like, bing, 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 bing. When compassion starts rising up in you, you go, I know that's God. Okay? Compassion started rising up in him, and he stops. And he starts binding up his wounds. Was it dangerous for him to stop? Probably. Was this guy his enemy? 100%. He owed him nothing. But he binds up his wounds and he puts him on an animal. He takes him into town. And he actually puts him up in the inn. And he tells the innkeeper, look, you, you're going to take care of him. You send me the bill when it's all done. I, I'm going to pay for the whole thing. We're talking a substantial expense. But he took a moment and he allowed to be moved by compassion. And he sees the one who's right in front of him. And it moved him to action. What was Jesus doing with this story? Because he was telling the story to the religious leader. He was giving a radical answer for what does it mean to love my neighbor? What is the definition of love? According to this, it's when we meet material, physical, and economic needs of others. Regardless of merit, did they earn it or not? And when we've done that, we have loved very well. If we want to love our cities back to life, we must be willing to meet the needs of others. It's just the baseline of humanity. We have to recognize that there are no limits to the goodness and the benevolence of God. There's no boundary. Jesus could not have found a more forceful way to tell this religious scholar that anyone at all who is in need, regardless of race, background, political party, class, religion, whatever, that is your neighbor and you are to love and care for them well. No excuses. But so many times we let our conviction actually keep us from connecting with people. You walk up on the scene and you think, oh boy, I don't know about this. Why? What are some of our excuses? I don't have time. Um, this makes me uncomfortable. That's a big one, right? I feel uncomfortable. I'm not sure I know how to help. 
Can we allow Holy Spirit to show us what to do? The scripture said, Yahweh will show us what to do. He'll show, he'll show us what to do in those moments. The thing is, I, I think we get tripped up on excuses. We feel like maybe we don't even have enough to share. Maybe sometimes it's that we actually want people to earn our charity. And this is tough. Like, I mean, I'm speaking to the choir on this. But we have thoughts about how they got there, and we think, I want you to do better. So I'm going to tell you some things you need to do before I actually... So we're actually asking them to prove they deserve it. That's not the gospel. The same love that sweeps into our life, the extravagant love and grace of Jesus Christ, who came to us when we could not do it on our own, when we were so broken and in need, when we said, God, I don't know how to get out of this mess. He's like, I'm going to help you. Could we share that benevolent love with others? Could we lean in and say, stop asking people to earn it, stop asking them to deserve it, and say, you know what, because grace has been so good to me, I'm going to give that away. Gospel love changes people. It changed me, it's changed you. I hope it's changed you. The grace of God, you know, we want it for ourselves, but when we see it with someone else, we're like, oh, you should pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah, I know, I know, it's hard, but it's good. Jesus wants to change our minds and our hearts. He wants us to see people the way that he sees them. And all I see is a benevolent, good God who meets the needs of the people in front of him. That's the call for sons and daughters. I think it can be hard. I think we can, you know, it can be uncomfortable, but Brene Brown, she's an author and, and a teacher, she says this, it's really hard to hate people close up. Lean in. Isn't that good? It's really hard to hate people close up. Lean in. So back to my story. Heading to the dollar, the dollar store with my kids. Claire says, homeless man. And thankfully, we've been working on being more discreet because sometimes it's awkward. And really. <laughs> so we walk up to the store, and she's like, Mom, we have to help him. We have to help him. You know what? Holy Spirit lives in Claire. Can I just tell you there's no junior Holy Spirit, and I'm so grateful she listened. Okay? Because I'll tell you what I did. I said, well, okay, let's shop, and then, then we'll help him. And here's the honest truth. I hope she would forget. That's terrible, but I'm being totally real. I hope she would forget, because I'm still conflicted in my heart. Is this real? I don't know. So we go into Dollar General, and it takes everyone 14 years to pick out two items, because this is what it's like with children, and they're $2 at the Dollar General. And you know, with kids, every time you're with them, it's like constant chatter. I went shopping by myself the other day, and it was so quiet. I'm like, is this what it's like for everyone always? <laughs> Not me, constant chatter. And here, I'm thinking, oh, she'll forget. It's fine. She doesn't forget. About every two minutes, she's like, Mom, don't forget about that man outside. She's shopping again. I'm like, Claire, it's fine. Mom, Mom, don't forget. Do you have the dollars? We need to make sure we can help him. I'm like, Claire, okay, we will help the man outside. So we finally pick the items. We get in line. The line is long. And so now the whole place is hearing our conversation about how we're going to help the man outside. And I'm like, shh, like, just let's be discreet. You know, you're supposed to give with, you know, quietness. Don't tell everybody. So they just can't help themselves. We're going to help this man. We're going to help this man. So we get to the, the front, and the kids go to pay for their stuff with their dollars. And the woman in front of us stops, and she turns around, and she lays down her cash. She goes, I'm getting this today. I overheard what your kids were talking about, and I want to pay it forward. Okay, isn't that the goodness of God? Here's what happens. Generosity begets generosity. Do you know grace begets grace? This is kingdom stuff. It rolls out of us, okay? So they were over the moon. They can't believe it. They get to keep their dollars, and they have the toys. Big day. 
So we're like, we're, we're going to help. So we go outside and we see this man. And let me say this. Bring your kids into it. There's nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to lose. Showing them humanity close up, go for it. So take my three kids. We sit down on the sidewalk and we'll call this man Jack. We sit down with Jack and we just take some time to hear his story. It's really hard to hate people close up. Lean in. So we get to know Jack, a little bit about his story. It's just, it's just hard. And here, you guys, nobody wants to be sitting on a sidewalk begging for money. Can I just like put this out here? Nobody says, gosh, I hope someday I can't pay for my own food. People don't do that. Can we be moved by compassion in a moment to say, God, I see this person in front of me, and then be willing to enter into a humanity conversation and love people back to life? So we did it. I don't remember all the things we talked about, but we're like, hey, can we pray for you? He's like, sure. My kids, all three of them, laid hands. We pray over him. Of course, we give him some money because God is a generous, provisional God, and we want to show that. And we, we bless him. We say, have a great day. So up we go. We're heading back to our car, and a woman stops me. I'm like, this Dollar General store, it's never going to end. I'm going to be here all day. And she, 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 she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My van died. Can you please jump me? Like, can you give me a jump? She's got her kids in the car. And here's what I think. First, honestly, I have no idea how to pop my hood. That, and that is the truth. I had no clue. <laughs> I was like, this is so embarrassing. We figured it out. Um, I popped the hood. We get the hoods open. She's got the little jumper cables. And wouldn't you know, who saw the need right in front of them? Jack saw the need. And Jack walks over. And Jack is the one who hooks up the cars. And he starts the things. And they, they come back to life. And she gets to go on her way. OK, generosity begets generosity. Do you know what Jack did in that moment? He gave what he had. He saw the person right in front of him. I don't know how to jump a car. I'm 36. I should. I don't know how to do that. Jack knows. Everybody has something to give. Everybody can be mindful of what is happening right in front of them. Can we partner with what Holy Spirit is doing in the moment and say yes and amen and start loving the city back to life? That's what we're called to do. It doesn't have to be big stuff. You guys, this was a Friday at the Dollar General. Holy Spirit cares. He cares about those moments. He wants all of it. What he's releasing is a heart of compassion in his kids, not pity. Hear me say this. It's not pity. It's compassion that says, I want to really share in the painful feelings that you're experiencing. I want to know what it's like, and I want to carry that burden with you. That's how we do kingdom, and that's how we love our city. There's a woman here in our church family who has done a beautiful job of loving the city back to life. Her name is Geneva Clapp. She's been a part of this church family for 34 years, so forever. And um, she has just loved people very, very well. She has served alongside her late husband, Stan, for decades. What I love about Geneva is she's not flashy, but she is the living, breathing hands and feet of Jesus. She's given her life to this. Her whole life. What I asked Geneva, I was like, what do you love about serving the city? Because she serves in the food market. It used to be the food pantry. She's done this forever. So what do you love about it? She goes, oh, it's so uplifting. She said, you know what? The people who come in, she goes, they call me mama. You know what I love about that? She's building families. That's kingdom. That's kingdom. She told me that through the years that their family has hosted over 11 to 12 young women at different times in their life, women who had no place to go, no families to love them, no one to support them, and she brought them into her home. She said, what I loved about this is I could teach them life skills. 
How do you cook? How do you clean? How do you know to put that pot back in the same place so you know where to get it every single time? Again, what is she doing? Building families. She didn't start some big program. She loved the one right in front of her. And she changed lives. Do you know when you change the life of one, you can actually change the life of a generation? When we can help one and lift them out, it can transform everything, not only for them, but for everyone to come. Would we be willing to see the one that is right in front of us? Would we be willing to be moved by compassion and partner with what Holy Spirit is doing? The three things I want you to remember as we learn to love and serve the poor in our city, and the first one is just that. We love the poor when we see the one right in front of us. Open your eyes. I'm saying this to myself. It's so easy to ignore, or I don't have time, or I'm too busy, or I just don't want to. Oh, God, open my heart. Open my eyes. Help me love the way that you love. Help me love all people the way you love all people. May we be interruptible. It's worth it. We want to love the one right in front of us. Two, we love the poor when we restore dignity. Our founding pastor, Diane Lehman, says this all the time, that every person is made in the image of God of much worth and value. And if you can't look at people with that lens and say, God loves you, he spoke you into life, he's crazy about you, we need a heart transplant. Because <laughs> that's kingdom, man. The love of the Father is incredible, and it's amazing, and it's so much bigger than we can even imagine. But if we're not communicating that kind of love with people, they don't need to change. We do. We want to see people the way that our Father sees people. We want to dignify them. We need to stop worrying about all the things that they're doing and start worrying about us. How are we loving them back to life? You know, there's this belief out there that poor people want to stay poor so they don't have to work. First of all, let me tell you, the, the amount of working poor in this country is staggering. These people who work multiple jobs just to make ends meet and they still don't have enough. It's staggering. We need to stop judging and start loving. Stop shaming and start empowering. Start speaking life over people. Start dignifying and saying, you are so valuable. You matter. You have so much worth. That's the heart of the Father. It is impossible to disciple a city we do not love. And if we don't love the poor, we don't love our city. Again, I don't know one poor person who loves to be poor. It's like, gosh, I'm so glad this is where I ended up. This is what I was going for. So lay down your judgment. Can we just help? Can we help bring people back to life? Let me tell you, there's this thing that goes unspoken a lot when it comes to talking about this, but there's the enemy loves to use this to destroy people, and it's shame. Sometimes we think, oh no, some, someone's going to try to swindle me out of money, and then they're going to laugh about me to their friends and say, look what I did. And maybe that happens. Maybe that is not the majority. That's just not the majority. As a kid, I was the recipient of so many government programs for underprivileged kids, the, the free lunches, the Section 8 housing, the food stamps. I did not feel pride. I felt shame. Please, Lord, don't let anybody know. And I know that it's common. And maybe you're thinking right now, oh, Leah, but you're different. Watch it. You don't know their story. You don't know their circumstance. You don't know their heart. You don't know what God's doing in there. We got to lay down judgment and begin to speak life over people. 
bring them back to life. We defend the poor when we restore dignity. And third, we love the poor well when we are sacrificially involved with the vulnerable. Look, loving the poor in our cities will cost us something. It will cost you something. There is an inequitable distribution of goods and opportunities in the world. So if you've been blessed with some of them and you don't share, it's not just stinginess, it's actually injustice. It's not right. If we've been given something and we don't open our hands, I can tell you love this, by the way. I'm sorry. Again, be moved by compassion. What would it feel like to be the one without the goods? How does that feel? That's where we want to get. Holy Spirit, help us feel it. I want you to feel it. Because when you feel it, you're going to do something about it. Myself included. Sometimes we love the poor in a passive way or in a way that's like, I didn't even mean to, but my daughter made me. Ooh, forgive me, Jesus. But a lot of times it's active. I want you to be actively pursuing how to love the poor. Let me tell you, there are so many ways. In Sullivan, you can get involved with the local ministerial association and say, hey, how can I serve with what you're doing? Here in Urbana, Geneva, she still serves at the food market every week. So you know what? Go visit her. Take your kids. Start loving and serving the poor right here in Champaign-Urbana. Maybe reach out to the local school district and say, hey, what are the needs? Do you want to know there is need? Sullivan, your poverty rate is 20%. Champaign County, or Champaign, your poverty is 26%. And Urbana, 31%. You think we don't have need? Well, there's need. We got to open our eyes. Maybe we need to be a mentor in the schools. And you think, all that work for, for one kid? Oh. Would you be willing to love the one right in front of you? Would you be willing to do for one what you wish you could do for all? Would you be willing to lean in and love well the person that you've come into contact with? The good news is, as Isaiah 58 says, Yahweh will go with us. He's always going to guide us. Holy Spirit lives right here. He's going to nudge. And the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to be moved by compassion. Feel it. It'll make you uncomfortable, but man, it's good. Feel it. And then do something. That we could be the hands and feet of Jesus. The only way we're going to love our cities back to life is by doing this stuff. But the call on this house in Urbana and Sullivan is huge. We are called to be builders of cities and restorers of communities. And if we want to do that well, we must start by loving the poor. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you always lead and guide us. You always show us what to do, and it never comes with shame. So if there's any shame involved right now, we just break it off in the name of Jesus. God, you always have a fresh invitation to doing things your way, and I love that. And so we just extend that fresh invitation to every person right now to join in with what you're doing. And Lord, I pray for opportunities, even this week that we can partner with what you're doing wherever we go. And Father, we thank you that you want to change the world through us. We love you so much, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, we are highlighting in this series some amazing organizations that we are partnering with and uh, things that God's doing right here where we live in Champaign-Urbana. And today we have a special guest with us from an amazing organization that we do partner with called Feeding Our Kids. So I want you to help me welcome to the stage Lori Rogers. Lori. Now, I 
met Lori a couple of years ago at the YMCA, and let me tell you about our first interaction. I went to Lori's combat class, which is as terrible as it sounds, and I went in, and there was all the kicking and punching, and then I was like embarrassed, so as soon as class was done, I ran out to the ellipticals. But Lori wouldn't let me get away. And so she actually pursued me, she came out, she saw the one, that's how I feel, you saw me. Got to know my name, and I've, we've been friends ever since, and I actually love her combat class now, so if you're at the Y, check her out, it's so fun. But Lori, welcome, we're so glad to have you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so I want you to tell us just a little bit about feeding our kids. I want you to share with us, how did this organization get started? What is the, the purpose, what's the mission, and how did you get involved? Well, Feeding Our Kids is six years old. Uh, what we do is we focus on the food insecure kids in Champaign County. And so about six years ago, two moms uh, at Robeson and Westview Elementary in Champaign uh, decided that there was a need there um, that wasn't being filled like there were in other schools. And so what they did was they worked with the Champaign Church of Christ and started making weekly bags for about 18 kids in those two schools. And then, so that was the first year. And then the next year it doubled. And then we were up to about 300 kids and then 600 kids. And then this year we are now at over 900 kids. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's amazing, so, amazing. I know. So when you say you're making bags, what does that mean for them? Good question. We are making supplemental um, food, nutritious food for them. They're small snack size things. So like um, bags of goldfish or cans of tuna or cans of soup. And we put them in the bag um, enough to help them on holidays and weekends. So for example, this weekend, uh, there are going to be some kids in each of the 36 schools that we help out and they've taken them home with them. I love it. Now, one thing that you know, I talked about is how we dignify people who are in need. How do you dignify the students? We actually don't know who any of the students are. This is um, the social workers in each of our schools are the ones who know who they are. That's pretty much it. Um, it may be a teacher who referred the family or kids to the program, but besides that, we really keep it anonymous because we want to make sure um, that those kids aren't pointed out. Um, there's a stigma yeah, to hunger, right. Right? right? And so we try to respect them. And so our social workers try to do different things, like they may go into their little cubbies the morning before everyone shows up and puts the bag on the hook, and that's it. So nobody knows what's happening. I love it. And how many schools are you in? 36. 36 in Champaign County. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Wonderful. Do you have any fun stories for us? I do. So I just started actually being a mentor coordinator at Robeson and Westview, coincidentally. And um, I had one of the teachers say when I was introducing like what I did beforehand, she's like, by the way, I just want to let you know that I have one kid that on Fridays, his whole demeanor changes um, knowing that he's getting that bag. And so that makes a difference. I mean, and, and one of the things that I like to point out about feeding our kids is we're a little different. This is about the kid right. getting the power to choose. Um, so many times kids have to depend on their parents right. or guardians or whoever they live with. And this bag is just for them. 
And so that's what I love about what we do at our organization. Fantastic. Well, how can we get involved? I know as a church, we, we give some financial contributions, but how can everyone get involved? There are different ways. And Leah, when you were talking up here, I was like, yes, yes, yes. You give what you can. Mm -hmm. um, I always believe there's three ways to give. And the first is money. The second is time. And the third is voice, mm -hmm. right? So you give where you can. Um, if you're interested and you're able, we're looking for donors. Um, we just started an adopt-a-school campaign, and basically what it is is for $150 per kid, um, you can adopt, adopt or sponsor kids at specific schools for the year. Um, and then we have sponsorship levels. There's brochures right outside. Perfect. Community Center, is that what it's yes, called? Yes, Sign Up Central, right Yep, Sign doors. Up Central, that's what it's called. I love it. Um, so, I'm, notice I'm like, what is it called again? You're great. Um, and, but you don't have to be an adopt-a-school level sponsor. Anything helps, yeah. right? You give oh, what totally. you can, and I totally believe that. Every little thing adds up. The other way is your time. And so um, if you are able to, we are always looking for volunteers on different levels. Um, if you want to, we have bi-weekly food sorts. And so you go in for an hour, you pack the bags, um, and then we have delivery people who take them to the schools. And so that's another volunteer job. We also need help on Mondays once a month to unpack trucks um, that get delivered from the food bank and Sam's Club. That's where we get our food from and then taken into the church so that way um, we can have them ready for the coming weeks. And then finally, if you're interested and say, listen, I can't make those times. Um, if you want to help with unique activities like um, being on the board or being on a committee, like a fundraising committee, an outreach committee. We're always looking for people who have special talents that want to help out. I so, Well, yeah. what I love is that this was started by moms who saw a need. Like, this is amazing, and it can go so much farther and beyond what they even thought, I'm sure. But, yeah, if you want to get more information, you can head out to Sign Up Central right afterwards and grab some information or go onto the website, feedingourkids.org. But would you just join me in prayer as we bless what God's doing and feeding our kids? Father, I thank you so much for this amazing organization started by moms who saw a need. God, I thank you that they did what they could do, and look what you did. You multiplied it. Father, we pray for all those in need in our city right now that you would be the God to them that we know you to be. You are provisional, you are extravagant, you have more than enough. And Father, I pray right now that we would begin to open our hearts and our wallets and our lives and our, our hands to be able to partner with you in our city. So thank you for this organization. We pray for the leadership, we pray for the volunteers. God, may they have more than enough. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or Join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.